0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the To the Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Olivia Colombo, and I am a young Catholic changemaker on a journey to interview people who are making change in this world and in the church and reaching to the heights in their own lives. Our title, To the Heights, comes from the catchphrase in the prayer of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, Verso Le Alto, which means to the heights. Here at the Two the Heights podcast, we are inspired by his constant quiet dedication to climbing the mountains of poverty um, and injustice in his society by caring for those who are most vulnerable. In that spirit, we have taken on the project of making season three, titling it Hope in Humanity, and interviewing people who are working for social justice in their own lives and in their own communities and in special ways. So far this season, we have talked to Carly Anderson, who is a campus minister at Boston College and runs for Boston, um, the biggest service organization on campus. That was a very special and very beautiful interview. And then last week, we were able to interview Ambassador Ken Hackett, which was a partnership with the Church in the 21st Century Center at Boston College. Um, Ambassador Hackett was incredible, fiery, passionate Um, and just a beautiful person he is the former ceo and president of catholic relief services and he just recently retired from being the u.s ambassador to the holy see um, which is a very special job and was very interesting to hear all about that something came up in my conversation with ambassador hackett that we are revisiting today in this episode and i'm so excited to be sharing so today's guest is annabelle lennard Annabelle is a beautiful friend of mine from Resurrection Parish in Hingham, um, where many, many of these po- the podcast guests have come from before, including Father Snisha, Michaela Hagar, um, Max Loeb, Gavin Lenard, um, coincidentally Annabelle's brother, um, has also been on the podcast, and so many others. Um, I am part of the Life Teen program there. I was on CORE, which is, like, the volunteer teen leadership of Life Teen there. Um, Soon, hopefully, I will be on Adult CORE. Um, I've done a lot of different projects there. It's just such a special place. Um, I met Annabelle there. We went to the Holy Land together um, with a lot of our good friends. Um, And lately, Annabelle and I and a bunch of our friends, including Father Snisha, have been dreaming about ways to... (laughs) live on a homestead to be more sustainable to ponder issues of poverty um, and homelessness and all these injustices in our society um, which is particularly relevant right now as we take a closer look um, at particularly racism um, and other social injustices. So in my conversation with Ambassador Hackett we talked about Catholic social teaching which is a part of our faith that is often overlooked it's not often preached about. It's not often talked about. And not a lot of Catholics know what Catholic social teaching is. Um, they might be familiar with the phrase, but they might not be familiar with what it actually means and what it calls us to do. Um, I've always been a very firm believer that um, it's just, if it were a more integral part of our faith and a more integral part of our church, um, the world would be such a different place. So many people are fueled by it um, without even knowing it, um, people know them by heart, um, it's just frustrating when you look around and you see people who are Catholic, but who are so far, um, from knowing or following these things, and if only they knew what we're called to, that we're called to something different than the way that they are living, then our society would be a much, much better place. Annabelle and I both had the opportunity to take a social justice class our senior years of high school at two different schools, um, but ironically, some, we shared some of the same teachers. Anyway, today we will be getting to meet Annabelle a little bit, hear about her super cool um, story and what she does um, and what she's passionate about. She plays basketball at BU, um, the only time I will root for BU over BC. Um, and she is so passionate about so many of the same things as I am, um, especially passionate about fast fashion, consumerism um, growing your own food, holistic health, things like that, um, which has always been a really big part of my life, um, and I've always seen a really big link between that and my faith, and I find it frustrating when other people don't see that as well. Um, I think we've made big strides recently in the church, especially with the release of Laudato Si, um, and some other things recently, but I think we have a lot, a lot to learn. So, today we organized the episode in that we went through the seven different principles of Catholic social teaching, we described what each of them are, and then we had a conversation of what we can practically, on the ground, do ourselves to more closely follow each of those seven principles. Because it's good to know what they are, but it's even better to be able to know them well enough to implement them. So we gave really good on-the-ground advice, things to read, things to do, changes to make in our lives, Um, little baby steps to take toward being more fully Catholic in a socially just way. So without further ado, stay tuned. There is a challenge at the end of the episode. Um, And here is Anuel's story of reaching to the heights with Catholic Social teaching. All right, I am here with a very fun guest that I cannot wait to talk to. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, your name, where you're from, where you go to school?
1: Yes, thank you for having me. My name is Annabelle Leonard. I am a rising sophomore at Boston University, where I'm studying business and environmental analysis and policy. I am from Situate, Massachusetts, and I have seven siblings, and we are um, members of the Youth group in Hingham, Massachusetts at Resurrection, that um, where I met Olivia. Mm -hmm. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, we I don't know. There have been so many good people from Resurrection who've been on this podcast, and I'm very excited. Annabelle and I were just hiking yesterday. Um, We're both doing the. There's this thing in New Hampshire. There's like 48 mountains that are over 4,000 feet, so it's the 48 4,000 footers. And we have checked off several of them. How many are you up to now?
1: I I think yesterday would have got me up to seven, but we um, <laughs> yesterday was a pretty rainy day. I think it was an actual tropical storm. Yes. So we only went for one peak instead of doing two. So I think I'm at six. Okay. It's only been a month and a half, I think, since we started. So yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think I'm at five because both Hancock's, both Kinsman's, and yesterday. So I should have nice. been at six, but... That just was not happening. That was, like, straight-up rock face, so. (laughs) (laughs) It was a challenge. Yeah, and, like, (laughs) literal, like, waterfall coming down. I think that picture (laughs) I sent you is funny where it's, like, I wanted to take a picture to be able to, like, show what rocks we had to climb up Um, and, like, the water coming down off of it, but that was, like, the open one with, like, the I don't know, kind of a lookout. Um, oh, yes, but yes, my yes. thumb was just like over half the camera and the rest of it was blurry, which I feel like more <laughs> accurately describes what I was feeling at that
1: time rather yeah, than exactly. like a
0: nice picture. So. Yes,
1: definitely. It was an adventure, but a memory that will last a while. So
0: yes. Yes. And we were hiking with Father Snisha who has also been on this podcast almost a year ago, which is crazy. Um, he was on with Father Matthew who we went to Israel with. Um, so that was a riot of a podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Such so what we, yeah. what we were doing on the podcast today is it was kind of born out of last week. I talked to the former president of Catholic Relief Services, um, Ambassador Ken Hackett. He was ambassador to the Holy See for a few years. But we were talking about how the Catholic social teaching principles and just Catholic social social teaching and social justice is not talked about enough um, in the church and, um, most Catholics on the street could tell you lots of things about church teaching, but not Catholic social teaching. Um, and both of us took social justice in high school, um, and have studied it and lived it and done different things with it since then. Um, so I thought that today would be a good, like, practical episode of going through the seven principles and then what we each would assign as, like, what are things that we do that fall into those categories? Um, cause we've been having a lot of really good conversations in our friend group, friend group lately about all of these principles and how we can live them. So shall okay. we dive in?
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think I would, I would just add that in the world right now, everything that's going on, these principles we can fall back on. And I think would solve a lot of the animosity and controversy between people, um, if you just look
0: at these principles, it's like, this is what we're all trying to yeah. get towards.
1: So mm-hmm. it's pretty yeah. powerful.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like, I feel like it's more of a backbone of the church than it's given credit. Totally. For. And like a backbone of humanity. Um, it's not just meant for Catholics. Exactly. righty. So let's dive in. Let's do the first one. Um, the life and dignity of the human person um, is the first principle, which basically is that life is sacred, um, that Catholics believe that everyone should respect life from womb to tomb, and that includes all sorts of issues like abortion, euthanasia, the death penalty, um, lots of things fall in there, um, suicide, mental health issues fall in there, um, what else, I don't know, pretty much anything that, like, would harm human life and prevent it from living. Right. (laughs) Yeah, um, All right, and what can we do about that? How do we live that in our own lives? Um, Do you have any ideas? I have a few.
1: Yeah, I think um, talking about it from a standpoint of understanding um, Mm -hmm. is a practical way we can kind of apply that to our lives. Um, There's a lot of political atmosphere about what should be, what shouldn't be. But if we can just talk with one another Openly, without getting super defensive or anything like that, um, that's a good place to start,
0: yeah, that's a good, good point. i um I think about this all the time. i so I worked for Dr. Jane Goodall's like National Youth Leadership Council, and I feel like a lot of like more environmental, like earthy crunchy groups are more liberal um and tend to be pro-choice, which is difficult being a Catholic and being called to be like a steward of the earth, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I remember there was one really good conversation that I had with one of my fellow council members. We had to give like peer presentations at a retreat once about like what what our work was. Um, and I mentioned like some pro-life volunteer work that I was doing um, and she was super pro-choice, but we ended up having this conversation about how like, I don't know, we hit the common ground in between the two that as two people, not as two movements, like we both just want the best for the mom and the baby like we just want the most life I don't know
1: totally yeah yeah
0: I feel like those are conversations that can happen when it's individuals rather than two like political movements like clashing together
1: um. yeah definitely and just leaving the baggage at the door of mm-hmm. this is what I'm supposed to think well yeah. if we just like open our ears and our hearts and our minds then um, yeah we could find that common ground that you were able to.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, just like just be a good human being. Yes. <laughs> no. Basically. Yeah. Um, some other things that I was thinking about. Um, the death penalty has been something that I feel like a lot of people are talking about with this current um kind of anti-racist movement. Um and I took a really interesting social justice like literature core class last semester and I had to read um, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Um, it's such a good book. And I think it was made into a movie as well that people have been sharing a lot on social media. I have not seen the movie. Um, I imagine it's a pretty hard watch, but have you seen or read either of those? No, I haven't. Um, I'll definitely add it to my list though. because yeah. it sounds it's like so I, would, good.
1: I probably yeah. love it. So Yeah.
0: So Brian Stevenson is basically a lawyer who like started a nonprofit, the Equal Justice Initiative, and he like spent his whole life representing people on death row who didn't have anyone to represent them um, and representing like innocent people and stories of his like success and failure and the people he met um, there so that that's a really good and it's just it's hard to read because you realize how enormous and how awful the death penalty is um, which is something that a lot of Catholics are divided on which is not something we should be divided on because it literally says in the catechism that we're supposed to be against it. So, right. Yeah. 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 Um, one other thing that I put down under this category is, um, another thing that I had a huge debate in social justice class about, um, people don't, human trafficking, huge issue, bad issue. Um, people don't always see the link between that and porn consumption um and i feel like catholics should be more educated on that there are really good organizations like fight the new drug um that's all about that's a secular organization that talks all about like the reasons why porn is bad from a secular perspective um so i feel like that's imp- important yes important yeah yeah i remember having a conversation in high school in my social justice class it was one of those like activities that um You know, how teachers are like, go to this side of the room if you agree with this. Go to this side of the room if you agree with this. It was one of those things, but it was about human trafficking and porn. And I had literally just given my, like, final presentation on it. And I had included a bunch of pictures of me with particular girls at the orphanage in Haiti um, who, like, had been rescued from, like, sex slavery. Um, And, like, I got into a huge argument across the room with this guy who, like, was like, no, porn is fine for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I'm like, do you see the faces of these girls? Like, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's so much there. Ah, there really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to the next principle, I think. Um, because I feel like life and dignity of the person is like, it's so hard to execute, but it is pretty easy to understand. Like, All life is sacred, protect all of it in every single way that you can. Um, All right, the next one is solidarity. Um, Basically, it's all about we are one human family, we are not divided by anything, um, and we are called to be peacemakers in this kind of global family. Um, Do you wanna talk about anything there that we can do? Yeah, definitely. Um, Kind of going with my
1: theme before of coming from places of understanding and empathy, To be able to understand other people in the world, everybody's different. Everybody comes from a different place, but we are one human family. One thing we can do is diversify where we get our information. Mm -hmm. If you're following art accounts on Instagram, why don't you follow art accounts from people from all different types of countries, all different types of backgrounds, instead of just from your own local community? Um, And that's Pretty simple way to um, just get different perspectives, I think.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah, I agree. I actually was thinking about this on the ride home yesterday from hiking too. This kind of ties in, um, but I just like, I have no idea what sparked me thinking about it. Um, But one of the journalism classes that I took maybe two semesters ago, I don't know. um, I learned about, there's a homeless newspaper in Boston. Like it's actually, it's like four people on the streets, um like written for them and possibly by them sometimes. Um I forget what it's called, but I was like, I totally should read that. Like how cool would that be to have that be a source of information as well? Um because it's one thing wow. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently they like sell it on the corners of streets for like 10 cents or whatever. Um but I wonder if it's online. I don't know. More to follow on that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Please share
0: if what you find. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um uh, I just put down be anti-racist which is obviously like the whole movement right now which is so important and so good and just there's so many good conversations happening and so many like really hard conversations that are happening we've had some of them together um <laughs> I've definitely had them in my own like family and friends and like older relatives and stuff like that um and I feel like that, that's just so important and like how can we be expected to be one global family if there's something as simple as color standing in the way um
1: exactly exactly yeah yeah. and just just being able to understand that it's not saying that somebody else's life is important is not saying that your own is like it's not a competition Mm -hmm. human life is not a competition we just all want to live and grow together um Mm -hmm. so I think that's a huge theme
0: yeah yeah that's a good point Yeah, I I feel like the whole like Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, like, I don't know, it just frustrates me because like the time and energy spent fighting about like the semantics of that, which I know that there are like valid points behind that, but like the time that you spend doing that could be spent like actually like breaking down those walls or like doing something.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I have those same frustrations sometimes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right another I feel like these are all kind of like I don't want to say no-brainers they're so hard to implement but like they're so like simple um yes but the next one I know both of us are very excited to talk about um so the next one is care for God's creation um that is where stewardship of the earth comes from that is where the encyclical Lodato C si stems from um I love I quoted the USCCB here um They said on their Catholic social teaching page, care for the earth is not just an earth day slogan. It is a requirement of our faith, Um, which is so good. Like people don't, I don't know. I I did a Catholic TV blink a while ago, um, like a little mini series clip about how it's not, it is a requirement. Like you can't, you can't be Catholic and not recycle. Like that is not, it is a requirement of the faith. Um, Totally. All right. Let's brain dump all of the good things that we have here.
1: Yes. Do you want to start?
0: Sure. Um, I think one of the big ones that we've both been into recently is sustainable fashion and ethical fashion um, and not buying into fast fashion. Um, I've heard it referred to as slow fashion recently, which is kind (laughs) of interesting as like the opposite of fast fashion, but basically there are just so many um I don't know fast fashion is just bad. <laughs> it's it's <is> just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. like the the resources like where they're getting the materials are not sustainable. There's so much child labor and slave labor um, and human trafficking tied into the um, sources of labor to create the clothing, sweatshops, etc. Um, types of energy are not clean, how they transport are not clean. like I don't know, we just, And humans just go through fashion, like trends change so quickly, so people buy and throw out. Um, I feel like I've learned over the, like been appalled at knowing people who just throw out old clothes, um, which I just can't imagine that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Me
1: either. Honestly, maybe coming from
0: a, from a really big
1: family, my mom has 12 siblings and Mm -hmm. uh, her aunts and uncles all have a bunch of kids too. I'm raised in a culture of hand-me-downs and save your clothes because the next Mm -hmm. uh, group of cousins is going to want them one day. Um, So the idea of throwing away clothes just Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't sit well, I guess. Um, But so important in what you just said is understand the supply chain of what is going on because it's so easy to walk into, or better yet, open up Safari and (laughs) check out a website of H&M or Forever 21, where you can buy a $5 shirt and it'll be at your door next week or even sooner sometimes. Um, So they make it very easy, I think, by design um, to not think about what's going into that and all the injustice taking place just by making that pair of shorts that probably
0: might rip in three weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't know. I feel like, especially right now, like, um, I've definitely done a big closet purge. I've been wearing the same clothes since seventh grade, which is just not healthy. Um, and I have finally grown. Um, so I get now to the opportunity to like choose to get more sustainable things that are made to last. Like I would so much rather, like I'm choosing like to get like Cotopaxi or like United by Blue or like any of those, like, really good sustainable companies, like one or two of those things that yes, like they are way more expensive than the $5 forever 21 version of that, but they're going to last forever. Um, And I don't know, it's so, so worth it to not be buying into that whole trade and supply chain. Um, And the same, the same goes for Amazon too. Like as much as Amazon kind of I don't know, you can't completely avoid it realistically in our culture, Um, but I feel like when you have the option to shop local, definitely, definitely take it.
1: For sure, and I think a lot of this stems too from the consumer culture that has been building the last several centuries. Um, And When you think about it, I was reflecting on this in um, last summer semester, I took a, a sustainability course and Mm -hmm. one of the discussions we were having I had this like revelation of like why do they give us a list in kindergarten or preschool of brand new school supplies to buy why do we need four new notebooks in Mm -hmm. kindergarten a brand new packet of crayons when we have one that works perfectly well that really we don't need new ones but that's where even before that too um this whole consumer mindset comes in so kindergarteners are like oh I need brand new of everything
0: yeah that's a good point I haven't thought about that and like it's just so ingrained yeah it takes a long time to kind of like shake that mentality I feel like maybe it comes in college when like it's just not practical for you to like go buy four notebooks that are new like I don't know, I've been quite proud of myself. Everyone makes fun of it, but I think it's fun. I pick one notebook for the semester and I divide it into like five sections with tabs. And like, that's my notebook for this semester. Like I label it like fall 2019 or whatever. And like, that has all of my classes in it. Um, That way you're never like fumbling around looking for the right notebook. And do you ever actually finish any of those notebooks in elementary school? Like never,
1: never, never,
0: yeah. That That is a good point. And that is most definitely where it starts. Even like before that with like baby shower registries and stuff like that. I mean, some of that stuff is like necessary that you need to like, you're starting a new chapter of your life. You clearly don't have a baby crib lying around, but like you could totally thrift it. You could ask around, you could use something like nowadays, like, I don't know, Facebook marketplace or um, right, um like free cycle, the There's, like, a free website that people, like, kind of like Craigslist, but for the purpose of sustainability. Um, I don't know. There are just so many things. Would you like to talk about, though, growing your own food and local food sources?
1: Oh, I would love to. (laughs) I am a big advocate for um, holistic health in the sense of knowing what you're putting into your body, where it's coming from, because the agriculture, uh, society and like language around it has really become produce as much as we can. So the farms can make as much money as they can. Um, and yes, it's important to have more food so that the starving humans across the globe are getting food, but the food isn't going to those places. It's, it's getting thrown away to be honest, because Mm -hmm. there's also this idea around if, if an apple has a bruise on it at the store, I cannot use, I cannot buy that. I cannot use that. So then no one buys it from the grocery store and suddenly it's in the trash. Mm-hmm. So I've been really into gardening myself, but also learning about um, the homestead lifestyle and um, just how you can sustain your own life by doing it yourself or just with your local community. Um, so there is so many things that are a lot simpler than you think to make or to use or to do um than having to go buy it at the store from somewhere that is not good for human rights and yeah not good for the climate either so yes
0: yeah oh my goodness that's such a I don't know I'm trying to think of resources for people to look at but like I don't know, big agriculture is such a disaster. Like the amount of water that they use, the fertilizer runoff, the like land use, like I don't know, and don't get either of us started on like the meat industry and how that's just an absolute disaster. Um yeah totally. Like, yeah. You don't need to be um we had a a speaker come into the National Youth Leadership Council once and he was a reducitarian, not he didn't want to be vegetarian. He didn't want to be vegan. He just wanted to be a reducetarian. So like, it's that like category for people who are trying to be more conscious, um, but not like live by like super strict rules, which I feel like is really probably good and healthy and balanced. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like, I have to abide by this lifestyle because you're also like balancing intuitive eating and health and um, right. nutrition with sustainability and environmental things, which I feel like is a big problem for me, like dealing with chronic illness and such. Like, you know how many plastic pill packets I go through? Like it's kind of, you can't avoid everything. You can't avoid using Amazon when like that's one of the few suppliers of like whatever medical device or, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. It can't grow your own pharmacy. I wish, well, you could. A little bit. <laughs> yes, I have
1: been looking into the value of different herbs and things mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, there it gets to a point that sometimes where yeah. you need real doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, not yeah. to say that holistic doctors are not real, but mm-hmm. for certain. Um,
0: yeah, situations. yeah. Even in my own kind of journey with health, like I did see like a natu- naturopathic doctor first. Um, tried everything there. Some of it helped, some of it didn't. Um, And then I moved on, which I feel like that was a good way to go because, definitely I don't know, that kind of weeds out like what what can I solve with like a more holistic approach? Um, And then what can I like learn from that? And then I'm probably going to need to move on if I still need further care um, Mm -hmm. to more Western medicine, which is probably a good order to do things in.
1: Definitely. And I think that that mindset that you just described, that pattern of thinking is something people can implement in their own lives just instead of immediately going to what our society is telling you Mm -hmm. the right solution is explore other options that might be more sustainable and more conscious and then um move on to the next ones after that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that even goes into like um I know we've talked about and I think both of us like reposted the same thing on our stories recently or I reposted it from you on your story about how um like, when people are first getting into, like, I want to be sustainable, I want to use not, like, plastic straws anymore, that sort of thing, they go out and buy a ton of stuff. Like, they buy, I don't know, like, lunch boxes, containers, straws, water bottles, whatever, um, when you just don't need all of it. And maybe, maybe eventually you'll figure out what you really do need, but in the meantime, like, you can totally use that mason jar from, like, your pasta sauce or like use what you have yeah. first.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. This, I, that same um, post you were just talking about was kind of a, I guess, revelation to me of this thing that I've been thinking for a while actually has a name mm-hmm. and it's like conscious, con- uh, toxic consumer culture. Yeah. Um, but exactly what you were saying, you don't, it's great to support the co- the companies that are making a social impact and doing Mm -hmm. it sustainably but if you have all this stuff in your house already you don't need to go get new of it because you already bought the things from the companies that Mm -hmm. aren't great for the environment so still use those to their full lifespan and then you can move on to um, Mm -hmm. support those other companies when you actually need it
0: yes yeah and once you figured out what you need which is also true for um like thrifting clothes like why would you I mean it's good to have new sustainable clothes like that if you find something that you really like really need like you have a hole in your wardrobe that you need to fill like definitely do it from a sustainable company but if you can thrift clothes that are from like not great companies um, like you're not you're not increasing the demand on that company Um, by buying something secondhand and like there's still clothes sitting in that like thrift store waiting like they still have life left in them (laughs) so like use them first Um, like if there's a pair of like lululemon leggings in your local savers like wear those until they wear out or wear those and then give them back to the thrift store um, before you go to some sustainable company and get leggings there Um, yeah definitely
1: I was recently listening to Let My People Go Surfing by um, the the founder of Patagonia and co-wrote it with Naomi Klein, who's a leading climate researcher, and they were talking about our culture around washing clothes and drying clothes in machines, which then led on to (laughs) another discussion that Olivia and I (laughs) and Sonisha had about um, washing machines, but uh,
0: <laughs> bicycle-driven washing machines. <laughs> yes, we're like
1: we might build our own, so yes. it would be kind of cool. <laughs> um, but by putting clothes clothing in the dryer, you're reducing its lifespan by so much. And the example that they gave was take out the the lint sheet from your dryer that where do you like no one ever thinks where is this coming from it's the pills coming out of the clothes just getting stored right there which is just destroying the clothes and by using the dryer you're creating so much emissions and putting them in the world and I believe the statistic they gave was 40% of the emissions caused by the fashion industry are actually the at-home care for the clothes in the washing and
0: dryer yikes Makes sense. The energies it use, Yeah. 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 You could totally, we could cut that in half by not using the dryer. Or just using it less. Like hang everything to dry as much as you possibly can.
1: Right. Or even just like for some of, I kind of do half and half I think right now. So I'll take out, well, when I think about it, I take out my better quality clothes because I just have... I guess in my mind and in my heart, I'm like, oh, these ones I want to spare. So I'm going to hang them dry. Um, But why wouldn't I do that with everything? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like like the workout clothes and like stuff like that, that can easily hang. And then you leave your like old t-shirts in the dryer. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and somewhat similar to all of that, um, we've been talking about toxic gear culture, especially as we've been hiking more and more, um, and how people like when they get into something like that, think that they need to go out and like buy a special backpack or a special I don't know pair of boots, shoes, equipment, whatever. Um, when in reality, you can do it do with what you have. Like you don't you don't need hiking boots to go hiking. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's so much there. <laughs>
1: It really is, and that's not to say that once you've made a habit of something in a hobby and really, really enjoy doing it and see benefit in, yeah. then buying that gear, mm-hmm. that's okay. But it's like a lot of people I notice before they even start something, like yes. their, their I guess rite of passage to start something new is to buy all the things to do that, mm-hmm. and I think um, that kind of becomes motivation in their minds, but it doesn't always translate. So then all of a sudden you have like these yoga blocks and yoga straps and yoga blanket and all this stuff just sitting in a corner. And it's like, well, you don't actually need any year to do yoga.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, before you do that, I I feel like that's a good example with the hiking boots. Like I just got a pair of hiking boots and christened them yesterday in our lovely tropical storm. (laughs) But like, I feel like I proved that like I needed hiking boots. I was getting injuries from only wearing sneakers. Needed more ankle support, so I got the hiking boots. And like first, I looked for them used. Couldn't really find any like on Poshmark that I was happy with, um, which is not surprising. Like hiking boots get beat up, <laughs> um, and so I went to REI Co-op and I found a sustainable pair there on sale. Um, so I feel like that was a good transition. Another good example is I do triathlons a lot, but my aunt, who lives two streets over from me, is the same size as me, and she used to do triathlons, so she has a wetsuit. We never do triathlons at the same time. We often don't train at the same time. Like, when she's right there, why would I get my own wetsuit when I'm just kind of starting and she has a wetsuit? I mean, maybe at some point, like, I kind of have been keeping my eye out for a wetsuit of my own. Um, Like, at thrift stores and stuff I haven't really found one that I'm happy with yet but like why why do you need it to like start swimming like you can can either be cold or like check around and see if someone else has one yeah so
1: true yes the idea that we each need our own of everything too (laughs) is like if you want a new outfit to wear out to dinner one night check with your friends see if you could borrow something that they've worn before they probably say yes yes so
0: Yeah. 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 Find that friend who's the same size as you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I noticed this a lot too. Um, I forget if I said this earlier, but I play basketball at Boston university and one of the draws for a lot of people in the recruiting process is what's your gear budget. Like what's the gear you get? How cool is it? How many t-shirts do you get each season? Um, and I think, it's so easy to fall into that mindset because it's cool and it's exciting. And um, it's a name on your chest that you're playing for. Um, but all, after one season already, I'm like giving all this stuff to my brothers. I'm like, I have 20 t-shirts. I don't need 20 t-shirts anymore. Um, so just something to keep in mind. And it it extends beyond the personal level. It's on it's on teams, it's on companies, it's, um, it's branding everywhere, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even um, Alyssa and I joke about this a lot, but like even resurrection could do a better job sometimes. You know how many blue t-shirts I have in my closet and they're yes. like literally the exact same blue t-shirt that we all have a matching collection of. Like right. so many of them because every time like we go to the homeless shelter or the engagement center, we put them on over our clothes, I have one from, like, every Haiti trip. Yeah, Israel. I don't know. Like, we could all probably do with just one blue shirt. (laughs) Um, All right. On another sustainability note, I wanted to talk about, given that it is plastic-free July, um, which I think is so cool, and I think it's so admirable that some people go completely plastic-free for the month of July, um, but I also think it's cool that people just commit to, like, making one little swap. Um, what are some of your favorite plastic-free swaps that you have made um, either recently or just in your daily life?
1: Yes, I think the biggest change that I've done in the last few weeks has been being more conscious about shopping online mm-hmm. um, in terms of Amazon. Like, my garden in the backyard, it's like, ooh, I, I want this type of seed. Um, so instead of going on Amazon looking for that seed, I'll first look in my fridge and see if I have that vegetable and then draw the seed out and then plant it, which has worked for yes. um, a couple of my garden vegetables right now. So I'm excited to see mm-hmm. how those um, turn out. But then if, if it's not in my fridge, then I go to look at just a local shop instead of um just shopping online because not only the production of the item that i'm probably getting uh from somewhere not sustainable on amazon or the transportation it takes to get to my house um, and all the plastic that is used in the packaging for a tiny packet of seeds um (laughs) probably not worth it so that's one thing and then another thing i've been doing is um I notice this more so in just being home from school. At school, I buy coffee out a lot, and it's really convenient to just take the plastic cup that they're giving you. Um, but making that shift too, I have a great travel iced coffee cup, so I'm bringing that to shops if I'm going to buy coffee, or just putting it in a cup at home.
0: Yeah, so. mm. good ones, good ones. Um. For me, I think (laughs) this is a constant thing at school that everyone made fun of, but my roommate and I had a war over, I really like bars of soap. She really likes like liquid hand soap, Um, but I don't know. It's just so much, and everyone makes fun of the bar. Like it is a massive bar of soap that was in our bathroom, (laughs) and it just never seemed to shrink, and people were like, do you just not wash your hands? And I'm like, no, I do, but it's like hard-pressed soap that just like it's literally going to last me until like I graduate from BC. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, so I feel like bars of soap versus liquid soap is such an easy transition to make and lasts so much longer. Um, same with I love shampoo bars of soap, not liquid shampoo and conditioner. Um, those are really good. I've been getting them from Lush, which Lush is good. Um, I feel like they don't really last very long, so it's actually currently on the way. Um, but the zero waste store, which is super cool to shop online because all of their like packaging is completely compostable. So I kind of really want to start like I, I want to add my um, the tape to like a compost pile and see what happens because like yeah. compostable packing tape is just really cool, cool. <laughs> um, but they have a lot of good stuff um, and not quite pra- plastic, but I also grabbed from them um, like, what do you call them, like cotton rounds, like what you use to like take makeup off. Yeah. They have reusable ones, um, which I really wanted really cool. to a swap there. Because I mean, the cotton rounds I'm sure have tons of environmental impacts in making them, not plastic, but still, but there's a lot of plastic packaging there, so.
1: Definitely. Um, that reminded me of something else that I have try- been trying to educate my family on paper towel use. Mm where after you wash your hands in the bathroom you don't have to grab a paper towel you could just take the um, reusable dish rag and just wipe your hands on that and probably 10 or 15 uses of drying your hands on that before it needs to get washed um, saves could save probably three rolls of paper towels in a week so that's kind of big when you think about it like
0: that yeah yeah Um, At work, at the camp, we, obviously in order to run a camp this summer, like, there's a ton of, like, coronavirus, like, regulations we have to follow to keep the kids, like, safe and separate and whatnot, and one of the things that we've been doing is making the kids, like, shake and air dry their hands, Um, and, which, I mean, some of the kids are like, where's the towels, where's the towels, and I'm like, you're literally about to go into the ocean, like, you're gonna get wet, (laughs) just, like, wipe it on your life jacket, you'll be fine um yeah. but i'm really curious to see by the end of the summer how many paper towels we will have saved um which i mean is better for germ purposes than like the reusable towel but like you still have to touch the whole thing like i don't know so we just eliminated it completely which i think is an amazing idea um yes yes definitely yeah um one other thing that i just remembered um i am going to try for the first time to make my own homemade granola bars for this week. I'm going to try that later today. Nice. It's like individually packaged things are just, they're so convenient and sometimes it's hard to get around them, especially when you're balancing like good nutrition and sustainability. Um, but we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Yes. Please let me know. I will. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we have any other things on this wonderful care for God's creation point? I don't think so. I think we discovered a lot there, so hopefully, hopefully, there's some good takeaways. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking um, more on this later in the podcast and like the outro, but I'm thinking that I'm going to start um, like a weekly challenge or like a weekly like homework assignment on the podcast, and I think it's going to be something from that whole section. Um, awesome. Maybe do like a plastic-free swap and tweet us a picture of it or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, our next point, which is particularly relevant to your wonderful large family, um, that is so lovely. It is the call to family, community, and participation, um, which is basically that the family is the base of society and it should be strengthened and our community and the families within it are basically the ones that are in control of dignity and rights of people. Um, What ideas do we have to strengthen families in the church? That's a big question.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's a lot because there are different, there's a lot of situational elements where some families might have some toxic elements in them. So it's hard to say, do this and everything will be great. Um, But I think just the first step is to let your family members know that they matter to you. Mm. Because if, if every time you're around them, you have your phone out and it's just like a quick, "Oh, hi, I'm going to do this. See you later," um, or "Good night, love you," but never really anything deeper, mm. um, then there's that's not a good enough foundation for um, strong, meaningful relationships to be built. Where then you can take that, bring God into it, which God is the foundation in your family relationships, um, and then be an example for other families,
0: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point, point. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I-, I was thinking about this when we were hiking. Um, I got a quick text from my aunt um, and cousins, and they were going to the beach, and I was like, oh, that's sad. Like, I'm, I'm hiking. I'll catch you next time, but like so many times, especially for college students, like, we're gone for the whole school year, and then we come back over the summer, and like, we work so much, a lot of us go to resurrection every night, like, I don't know, we're constantly coming and going, even though, like, we're home, Um, so I feel like that's really important, especially for our age group, to make a point to, like, have those conversations, and, like, initiate conversations, like, how are you, how are you actually, like, how's your work, what are you doing during the day, like, that sort of thing, Um, yeah, which I feel like I could be a lot better that given that I only have one brother and one parent, and you have many, many of them. Um. Yeah,
1: I think, I think having a lot of siblings, at least in my case, has made it um, easier for me because there is always someone around to touch base with. And I think not until recently had my siblings and I started really really bonding like getting deep into things and I think that that is a product of now my sister and I both are in college and my brother's going to college and then the next brother is a senior in high school Um, so we are that kind of independent life experience that we're all getting Mm -hmm. we can bond over that um, and kind of give each other tips and see what are your friends up to what kind of friends are you friends with Um, All that type of stuff is really cool and then i know my youngest siblings who my youngest brother connor is 10 and seamus is 13 um and the two of them have even said during this quarantine like having you guys around it's like oh this is kind of what i'm gonna be like when i grow up maybe um so yeah it's so Mm -hmm. cute Uh, you have that role model aspect and it doesn't just have to be your siblings it can be like the family of your community, where Mm -hmm. there's young kids looking up to you. Yeah. And, and the way you interact with people, making eye contact, giving them a smile, Mm -hmm. making sure that they know that like you care about them when you're asking them how they are and what they did today and what gets your gears going and um, that actual genuine interest. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And even like, I don't know working at a camp, like, we're, we always are supposed to have our, like, phones and our radios on us, like, for communication and safety, but, like, it's such a temptation that when the kids are, like, independently playing with themselves or, like, eating lunch or something like that to, like, pull out your phone and, like, catch up on texts or whatever, like, I still get paid the same, like, whatever, but, like, I don't know. It's so much better to be able to, like, sit with them, sit amongst them, like, I don't know, my favorite conversation started with them has been like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and to hear such like pure, innocent answers um, is so much more re- rewarding than like sitting on your phone in the corner. Um,
1: definitely, definitely. Um, that is such a great point too, because I, I think it was two weeks ago now, did a weekly challenge for myself um, where less than 50 minutes of screen time each day. Mm. And that covered the whole basis, like whether it was checking the weather or checking social media or checking emails or sending a text that I needed to respond to. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to, I guess, think of that every time I picked up my phone and it was really rewarding to just, um, at, by the end of the week, not even want to pick up my phone. Um, because the value of h- real human interaction and real interaction with the earth and just all of God's creation um is, I think, the way we're meant to live. So that's why yeah. <laughs> I had that feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And so like, I don't know, like what we were saying about these principles being like the basis of human society that we fall back on, like this is what we were made for. Um And that definitely falls into it. All right. Anything else on this point, or should we move on to the next one? Let's move on. All right. So this one is something that, I don't know, I remember sitting in social justice class and being like, what? Like this, I wish the world knew this. Um, So it's the preferential option for the poor and vulnerable, which basically means that preference is given to filling the needs of the poor and vulnerable in our society, meaning that anything, like we should not rest and we should not take like, Huge luxury until all of the basic needs of the poor in our society are met, um, which I think is just so like, I don't know, wasn't it it was like a few months ago that we had like the first billionaire on planet Earth or something like that. Like that is just an insane amount of money. And like you could feed like the whole country of Haiti, <laughs> like right. nobody needs to be a billionaire, um especially when we are called to put the needs of the porn the roll first um yeah
1: yes this has
0: this is just um
1: probably one of my favorite other than care for care for creation mm-hmm. because um it's it really shows how interconnected all of these seven mm-hmm. social teachings are but then just how society in general works and how if we can provide the poor and vulnerable an opportunity to be fed so that they can have energy so that they can do a little bit of work and Mm -hmm. then they do that work to feed their families and then their kids can start to go to school and get educated and understand the possibilities of the world and then they can have start to reach their potential and then they can eventually be in a position where they can make the more sustainable choices because they don't have to rely on the cheapest option possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you put it in perspective like that, it's just like everything is so related and if we just bond together to mm-hmm. make that collective decision like we're gonna do this, then
0: it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so agree and agree that like the answers are simple, not easy like that. Um, Like I don't know. I just being around the engagement center and like doing homeless ministry and also starting to take social work classes. Like I've learned a lot about the housing first approach um, for homelessness, which is just like, it's so smart. It's basically you put, once you put a homeless person in housing, that should be the first thing that you do for them. It's not rehab. It's not a job. It's not financial help. It's not, you know what I mean? It's none of, none of the their other basic needs are met until they're in housing because how do you expect someone when they're living on the street and like dealing with the pain and the stress of like their stuff constantly being stolen, having to find a place to sleep, trying to get in line to the shelters, trying to like find food and stuff like that. Like how could you possibly expect them to like not like, I don't know, drugs numb the pain, like take away the pain first um, and then everything else will fall um, into line, like, once they have a house to, like, take care of and take pride in, like, um, so many other things just make sense, so, um, I feel like being smart and being educated about what is actually going to help is really important, because so many people just, like, I don't know, I think about this example all the time, and there's such a, like, toxic volunteering culture, especially, I feel like, I don't know, in campus ministry and, like, high school and elementary school, where, like, there's donation drives for all sorts of items and stuff that they're giving, Um, which is one thing if it's food, like food is always necessary and needed, but I remember going to the engagement center once and someone had donated like a pack of like dollar store gloves off of maybe Amazon or something like they ordered them in bulk. So it was these like stupid thin, like fleece gloves that were like very much from the dollar store and nobody took them from the engagement center. No homeless people took them. And then someone was like, do you have any gloves? And I was like, yeah, we have a whole bag over here. Um, and he's like, no, 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 like real gloves, like waterproof ones, like thick ones. Um, and I just thought about it so much after that, like it would have been so much better of use of money if we had bought one pair of really nice gloves and given it to one person rather than these dollar store gloves that were going to be used once they were going to rip, they were going to be thrown away. Like, I don't know, why do 20 people like mediocrely if you could do one person Right
1: that is powerful yeah also the the psychology behind i'm wearing this $1 pair of dollar store mm-hmm. gloves is that what i'm worth because that's what it ties into mm-hmm. if if you're getting the cheapest of the cheap things then you're you're going to start to internalize that your life is the cheapest of the cheap when mm-hmm. It's kind of like social teaching human dignity every life matters the same
0: um yeah so that is just really powerful mm. yeah yeah and I guess the whole preferential part of the preferential option like I should be getting those thick nice gloves for the person on the streets before I get them for myself um right. like I could totally wear the dollar store gloves because I don't spend all day every day outside because I'm just going in between like the house and my car you know what I mean um yeah. 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 I
1: am doing an internship right now with um the Life is Good Playmakers, which is the nonprofit associated with the apparel company. And what they do is um provide educational resources for uh teachers and any adults working with um children who suffer from childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned A lot just from doing this work. I'm doing more of the business side of things, but you still have to understand it all um, that when you're Stressed or when you're like in survival mode, they call it snake brain that takes 100% of your energy. Your body is in fight or flight. You are Dedicating everything to That response system Um, So by Alleviating some of that by providing a nice pair of gloves or letting letting someone feel that they val- are valued and they matter um, releases a lot of that. I feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, um, the only other thing I have to add to this um, is obviously most definitely I would encourage like donate to Haiti one eighty um, help help organizations that you know. Um, for sure, but more importantly, help local organizations. Like, chances are there is a homeless shelter or food pantry down the street from you that is struggling. Um, You don't need to ship things or send money far away. Um, Your time and talents um, and treasures are needed right where you are. Um, And I don't know where Father Sinesha got it or if he came up with it, but I remember something he said, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago, that, like, as Catholics, we should all know like, he put it in more of, like, a question. Way. He was, like, if you think you're such a good Catholic, like, tell me one homeless person you know. Tell me one orphan you know. Tell me one widow you know. Um, like, tell me one person on their deathbed who you know. Um, yeah. You should know all of those people. You should be, like, obviously do the causes that speak to you. Like, if a crisis pregnancy center is, like, where your heart is at, like, go for that completely. Um, but you should know the names of those people because you're so intimately connected to the poor and vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It makes me think of all like the homeless people I know, like, I don't know, even Gavin and I have our guy at the engagement center named Ed, or there's this guy Coco that I visit all the time at BC. Um, and like, some of the greatest joys of homeless ministry and just like volunteering these past few years has been being able to sit with those people and hear their stories because they have wild stories um and they are so much more inspirational than i could ever hope to be so
1: definitely and and learning so much from those people the engagement center um we've been able to go to just for me because of resurrection um but they're is a lot to learn it's not like oh i'm just gonna go dedicate my time it's like i'm getting intrinsic and extrinsic value from doing
0: yeah all right we have two more principles left um let's go through those quickly um <laughs> before this podcast gets too long which is not a bad thing because there's so much to say here um, <laughs> yes. all right so our second to last one is the dignity of work and the rights of workers um which I quoted the USCCB here because they just put it so well and why would I try to top the USCCB? <laughs> the economy must serve people, not the other way around. The basic rights of workers must be respected. The right to productive work, to decent and fair wages, to organization and joining of unions, to private property, and to economic initiative. Um, that's just so, good. <laughs> All so right. good. Yeah. What do you wanna add on this? So
1: when I think about um, the work that I want to be doing as a career, um, as I mentioned before, I'm a a business student. uh, So this is the type of thing that I want to be doing. Um, Business right now in our world is the thing. It's what all humans in creation right now are serving business when it needs to be Business is serving God's creation. It's a tool that we can use to help alleviate all the stresses of the world instead of creating even more and creating huge income gaps and wage gaps and working the the whole workers' rights. Like people should be working in good conditions. Why would in what like why is it that to serve business better we're sparing the lives of people working in those factories. Um, So I think that is just such a big, big thing that people don't even really think about. They're like, oh yeah, business, like so many people work in the corporate world, it's like, this is, it's because the world is kind of flip-flopped right now. Um, So there's, there's, um, there's one person that um, I've read Kate Raworth, she um, is the author of Donut Economics. It's kind of this idea of instead of viewing the business world and I guess all the attributes of the world um, in a pecking order, it's more of a donut. It's a circle and there's um, an environmental threshold and then there's like a world capacity threshold and we want to be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so what she talks about a lot is the, the swap from serving business and the commons being sold off, which the commons are like water and the stuff that no one really owns, but that God created, um, selling that off and let all decisions be made by finance. And that's kind of where this whole industrial era stemmed from. Um, but the change to starting with earth and giving it respect and then society needs to be strong it's foundational like our the household is our core families are important um the commons are creative and have the potential to be unleashed um and then using finance and business as as a way to serve Uh, and I don't think she's rooted in any specific religion but those um her her ability to kind of take that and uh generalize it to any religion any spirituality spirituality just like common humankind um i think really goes to show how this these seven teachings um and this workers rights specifically
0: uh applies everywhere yes yeah that's so good (laughs) and yeah so true um i'm trying to think of like what are some practical things um, obviously like that is an incredible important message for like I feel like CEOs and higher ups like they all need to hear that for sure yeah. um, but what about the people on the ground I feel like there are some things that we've already talked about like buying things that are fair trade supporting ethical labor um, no fast fashion um, unless it's already been thrifted um, what else
1: yeah I think again how this all ties together we've touched on a lot of the points Um, but when you're when you're thinking about your aspirations and when you're talking to people about um, or talking to younger kids who look up to you about what you want to do one day like don't say I want to make the most money I can because for what like is that gonna provide you the most value um I think just take on the aura of I want to help the world and Bring this type of injustice into your conversations. Like, oh, did you know that? Um it doesn't have to be like in a you see someone wearing a shirt that you know was made by Forever 21 and you're like, oh, you're supporting killing mm-hmm. people in factories. Um it doesn't have to be like that, but just having the, the open, empathetic, understanding conversation um goes a long way, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: I agree for sure. Um, all right. Anything else on this one? It's a very good one.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Okay. All right. We're getting to our last one here, um, which I feel like ties a lot of them all together. Um, it's called rights and responsibilities. Um, it's basically the the right to life, which is in the first principle that we talked about today, um, is where everything else stems from. And if you don't have that, all other rights and responsibilities are off. Um, And that when we have the right to life, we have a responsibility to other people and in society to make sure that everyone else has those rights as well. Um, What I was kind of brainstorming, things that we can practically do, um, definitely to vote, um, to vote in your local elections. I, um, I feel like a lot of people just vote in bigger elections. Um, But definitely if we want this like systemic change that's like starting with the family and the household and the community, um, I think voting local is super important. I kind of had an interesting, I don't know, experience like I, we had a big town election coming up um, and there was a lot of like controversy over it and like over some potential like corruption in town and stuff like that. And I kept seeing signs everywhere and I was like, literally, how do people know when or who like how do people know when the ballot questions like what are they in this town who's running for selectmen? like we're such a small town that like where where is this like it's in like a corner of the newspaper <laughs> like this is oh, wow, not okay. Yeah. um it's not okay that i am of voting age and i do not know how to vote in my own town um and do not like i mean i can figure out physically practically how to vote like i know where like the polling center is um but that I don't know where to find information and be informed about what to do, like, that is a problem. Um, So I feel like working on that problem is a good place to start. What do you think?
1: Definitely that, and also understand what it is that you're going to be voting for, because it's easy to associate yourself with a political party or a group of friends who you think have the same political ideology as you, so you Kind of go with the flow of what they're doing um, but a lot of times hidden in legislation is the little caveats that are like that's really bad, and that's where um, the corruption starts, so um, making sure that you're you actually know what you're voting for, which um, I say that, and I don't practice as as thoroughly as I would hope that I would because it's it's easy to think of politics and get really overwhelmed or tired, Mm -hmm. because it's just a lot of negativity and um, crash between people. Yeah. Um, But, I don't know, making to that commitment, I think, is a good
0: Mm -hmm. idea. Yeah, yeah, and making a commitment, like, I agree, it's a lot of, it took me a lot of kind of searching, and I feel like I didn't really get the full answer about, like, what was going on in my town, um, and I feel like what would have been more helpful than trying to figure out like for myself kind of what happened and like digging around to see like what, where I should be standing and not like, like find out the answers for myself. I feel like what would have been better, um, and I'm not sure if this is possible in a small town, so maybe on a bigger level, but to find like a journalist a reporter, uh, someone that you do align with. Um, which is really, really hard as a Catholic who, I don't know, I, I hesitate to, like, say liberal Catholic, but, like, a Catholic who cares about the environment and is pro-life, like, that is very hard to align yourself with any political party, but I feel like by finding, like, a news outlet or some, I don't know, reporter, politician, like, someone that you align with and letting them, someone who has an expertise in kind of interpreting Interpreting the situation so you don't have to put in all of that time, which obviously you should if that is of interest And like if you're not getting the answers you want Um, but to always stay informed is to find someone good Um, to do that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, anything else on that one? I don't think so. Nice. All right. We have covered them all. Um, Yeah. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Yeah, so, so much good stuff. Um, And I think my challenge is going to be kind of how I was talking about like we should all know like one homeless person, one whatever, but also within that like our hearts are all called to service and called to follow these in different ways. Um, And I feel like I'd be really interested to hear what the podcast listeners and like our followers on social media, what ways they're called to kind of take this conversation into their lives. Um, So I would love to see everyone who listens to this do something that we have mentioned new like make one little plastic free change make one thrifting effort one like anti-fast fashion um read one of the books we've recommended i feel like there are so many ways and you can't be like i'm gonna be zero waste and grow all of my own food and whatever tomorrow (laughs) like that's not how these things happen yes
1: yeah i think that by taking on too much at once um, Kind of a recipe for burnout. So definitely small adjustments um, that you can eventually
0: mm-hmm. form into a lifestyle. Yes, for sure. All right. It has been an absolute joy to talk to you, Annabelle. I love you. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much to Annabelle um, for being so wonderful and being on this episode of the podcast. You inspire me so much. Um, I love you so much, and I am so grateful at how our paths have crossed um, and all of the crazy cool things like the 48 Peaks that we get to do together. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, As always, this is a production of the Grexley Podcast Network, and you can find out more about Catholic TV and Grexley at grexley.com. You can find our Patreon there if you feel called to support, as well as... Our um Grexley merch shop, which hint does have sustainable clothing. So you can check that out um, at grexley.com. Um, as I mentioned toward the end of the episode, I think that we should do a little weekly challenge with the Tooth Heights podcast, particularly for this season. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I want you listeners to take one thing that we talked about, whether it was a book, a person, um, a tip, uh, plastic three free swap, um, something that you can do, um, to learn more, to do more, to make a small change. Because like I said, it is so impossible, almost impossible in our society to do all of these things perfectly. Um, it just is not practical. Um, and you cannot take care of yourself fully and be present to your community while also, um, being perfectly sustainable. So we're not striving for perfection. We're just striving for small little baby steps. Um, so make a small little baby step or change or read something or learn something. Um, tag us in it, tag us in your Instagram story, tweet it at us, let us know. Um, I wanna see and throughout the week be sure that you are following at To the Heights C T V on social media, um, because I will be posting some of my favorite um ways that I have I don't know. Made changes towards Catholic social teaching, particularly um care for God's creation and option for the poor and vulnerable. Um and I'm trying to think what else. I feel like I had one more uh, one more thing to say, but I can't remember. Um <laughs> Oh, this is important. Okay, I remembered. Um, so, in season 2. Yeah. No, no, no. Season 1. End of season 1, I think. We did an Ask Olivia episode um, where people submitted questions. So we are planning to do something similar um, for this season because it, it was, we got some very positive reviews um, and listenership on that episode, which I am so flattered. Um, and it was just honestly so much fun to record with Kelsey. Um, we are thinking of doing a more social justice Ask Olivia um, Q&A episode at the end of this season centered on how you can live Catholic social teaching and how you can live the message of Laudato Si. We will learn more about Laudato Si on other episodes in this season, but if you have practical questions, theoretical questions, um, things that you'd want me to talk about, my own experience with things, um, anywhere, consumerism, fast fashion, um, rights and dignity of worker, life and dignity of the human person, call the family, um, sustainability, I don't know, plastic-free stuff, anything, um, you can send it to us, DM us on Twitter at totheheightsctv, DM us on Instagram, um, or you can always, a sure way to reach us is totheheightspodcast at gmail.com, um, as well as there is a form on my website and the Grexley to the Heights part of the website, So send us your things. Um, There will be a link hopefully going out on Catholic TV proper um, explaining a little bit more, but fire away. Send us your questions um, and we will have a very fun episode at the end of the season. Um, I think that is officially all I have. Um, I am so thankful and overjoyed with how this season and kind of the new message of this season um, is being received. I think it's really important, um, and a really important shift that I've made to make it something that, um, I'm currently very passionate about, um, and I think it shows when you do something that you're passionate about, um, part of Lodato C actually talks about new media, um, and how it's, it's definitely a hard, it's a struggle and it's a danger that we're just putting out media into the world, Um, That is covering up the advice of the wise people of the past. Um, We're just spewing things that we don't wholeheartedly believe or wholeheartedly are working on. Um, And it's distracting um, people from the real authentic truth. So I think it's always a danger as an influencer to put things out either like last minute that you haven't fully worked on, um, haven't fully thought through. So I think it's good to have something that you're so passionate about. Um, And I'm so, so honored that you guys are loving it. Um, All right. That is all I have. Have a fabulous week. Don't forget about the challenge. Tag us in it. I want to see. I want to get ideas. Um, And until then, keep on reaching to the heights. Have a good week. God bless. Bye.